and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch, among many others in the Bible, were men who believed that God not only existed, not only exists, but believed that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The reason why Enoch was taken away, if you remember, he never died. He actually just disappeared because God took him to heaven. It's because God wanted to be with him. And it says right there that God wanted to be with him because Enoch pleased God. And the author right there tells you why God was so pleased with Enoch. And this is true of so many other people in the Bible, men and women, that they put their trust in God and they walked in God's ways. They diligently sought the Lord. They, they gave God everything that was within them, and it pleased God. And for Enoch, it meant that God just, come on up here, let's, let's hang out. I want you to come and be with me in heaven. What the Lord wants to do in this series is He wants to convince us of this right here. That He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I've told you that this is a year of breakthrough, a year where people are going to get free from things and move into the promises that God has for you, the things that you have been longing for, the things that you're believing God for. God wants to move you into those. And in this series, the Lord showed me, He wants me to convince your heart that He is a God who rewards those who diligently seek Him. I don't know if you saw the way it's worded, that the person who comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That he is a, reward, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's who he is. It's his character. It's who God is. And the reality is, is that we need our hearts convinced of this. I don't know about you, but it's so easy, isn't it, to begin to walk by sight rather than by faith, huh? We can get discouraged when there's delay. When we're, we're, we're crying out to God for help. We're longing for breakthrough. We're believing God for a certain promise in the Word. But there's a delay, or there's opposition, trials, there's testing, there's attacks from the enemy and temptations and we fall short at times, and it's so, we're so prone to discouragement, aren't we? We're so prone to disappointment. We're so prone to losing that, that, that passion to seek His face and get distracted by so many other things. You know, even recently, within this, this year, uh, after, you know, the Lord had spoke to me about this message months and months and months ago in 2013. And I'll tell you, as I headed into 2014, boy, I don't think I'd ever had such a confidence in what God was saying. I just had this, I was convinced what the Lord was saying to me and for this church, and there were some areas where very just focused, I felt like I was taking, stepping out and walking on water and, and taking risks without fear, just God said to do it, we're going to do it, just this confidence rising in me. And yet be driving in my car, all by myself, I'm in the car, and usually I'm worshiping and listening to, my, to, the, to messages, listening to other people preach the word to me, but I wasn't. I was driving in my car, and this deep, 
sense of disappointment would come over me. I just felt so deeply disappointed. I felt discouraged. It's like on one hand, I've got this faith rising in my heart that I've, if you will, never experienced before at, to this level. And I'm stepping out in, in that faith. And then all of a sudden to have this like feeling of like, oh, disappointment. Kind of take the wind, takes the winds out of your sails. And I, what I did, I just began to talk to the Lord about it. What's, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in my emotions here? I'm thinking, I believe you, <laughs> you know, I love you. I said, what's going on? Why do I feel this? And I was honest with God. See, because whatever's going on in my heart doesn't tell me what's reality, it just tells me whether my heart is aligned with that reality, right? My emotions are telling me what's going on in me, not what's going on in God. I say, God, I, I don't know what's going on, but I feel this deep disappointment. I don't know what is going on, and so I begin to talk to him about it. And of course, what happens, I, as I went to the Word, and as I, I was honest with God, he would shine his light on my heart and began to show me there, there were some areas in my life, some area, personal areas in my life, where the Lord was showing me that I had lost hope, that I was looking at the circumstances, that I was, that I was entertaining some accusations from the enemy and just entertaining some suggestions from the enemy that maybe God hasn't and maybe God won't do what He said He would do. And I hadn't even fully realized it. Does it make sense? Here I am, I'm just feeling this just deep sense of disappointment, and I'm thinking, where is this coming from? But it wasn't until I was, A, honest with God, but B, I went to the Word, and I let His Word shine on my heart. And then I, then I got the, then I, you know, I did the opposite of what I had been doing. I, I started, I put the Word of God into my ear, you know, I, I got, got, I listened to Pastor Jerry preaching the Word to me, and I uh, began to just sing to the Lord, you know, just began to sing out to God. And as I did that, I found the Lord renewing my strength, right? As you, those who wait upon the Lord renew their strength. God will renew their strength. I found the Lord renewing my motivation, renewing that strength. And I found that disappointment leave as I got back to what I know. That God will do what He said. <clears throat> it was interesting because God spoke to me about this series before that. But as I was going through that, the Lord was showing me. I believe that it was a test, you know, it was an attack of the enemy, and it was my own emotions, you know, some of the ups and downs of life. As I was going through that, the Lord strengthening my faith as I'm hearing the word, because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word helps us to see things from God's perspective, right? And to walk by faith rather than sight. And as I built up my faith, the Lord said, See, you need your heart to be convinced. Said, I want you to convince the heart of my people that I will do what I said, that I have good for them. The Lord began to impress that on my heart. You listen, a lot of times we think we need to convince God to do these things in our life. We're trying to convince God to give us a breakthrough. We're trying to convince God to do His word in our life. Now listen, if you want something that's sinful or selfish, no, the Lord's not going to bless that. But listen, if you are over here saying, God, I want you to, I want a breakthrough, God. 
I want to please you. I want to do what you want in my life. I want this breakthrough in my life. And here you are desiring, longing for, praying, crying out for God to do what he has said he would do in his word. Listen, he wants to do it more than you want it. And God does not need you to convince him. He needs to convince you. He wants to do it. He wants to do it more than you. And the Lord has been speaking to me. I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. God is a God who blesses. He blesses those who walk in his ways. If you will diligently seek the Lord, God will do what he said he would do. He will reward. But if you don't believe that God will keep his end, that God will be faithful to his word and do what he said, if you do not believe, if you're not convinced that God will reward those who diligently seek him, (coughs) you won't seek him. You know, really, all, all sin begins with unbelief. If I can make it more personal than that, Every time I've ever seen a Christ follower willfully sin against God, they have lost hope. They stop believing that God will do what he said. They don't always admit that, but I know how to get it out of people. I speak to that issue in their heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, what comes out? The mouth speaks, right? I'm telling you. Once you stop believing that God will reward those who diligently seek Him, you won't do it His way anymore. You and me, we need our hearts convinced. The Lord wants me to speak to that in our hearts and strengthen your faith. What's going to happen today and in this series is the Lord is going to strengthen your faith, but He's also going to break off things that are in your heart that need to leave. And that can be uncomfortable at times. Say bye-bye. Because those wrong ways of thinking have to go. And God is going to lift you up. Amen? Lynn saw a picture of us people in like swirling waters. As if you were drowning, as if we were struggling. And she said, as we worship the Lord, like we were singing that song, Oceans. She saw a rock coming out of the water and lifting us up out of the water. Didn't Jesus say that? If we come to him hear his sayings, and do what he says, our life will be on the rock, right? He didn't promise there would be no storms. He didn't promise that. So when there's disappointment and discouragement because of circumstances and trials and storms, he never promised there wouldn't be storms. He just promised that no matter what would come, you would be on the rock. And what Lynn heard from the Lord is circumstances didn't change, but our perspective did. Listen, this morning, your circumstances might not change right away. They will change as you seek the Lord diligently. But what changes first is between your ears. Because when you begin to believe what God said in His Word, His Word, like a rock, will lift you up out of that water. You begin to see your circumstances differently than when you begin to walk by faith will release the power of God in your life. Amen? God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It is 
who he is. It is who he is. It's the core of his being. It is his character. He cannot stop being a God who rewards those who diligently seek him. It is who he is. I love it. In Exodus 34, God says to Moses, he says, I am gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love and faithfulness. It's who he is. He is a gracious God. He's a giver. He's a giver. He's extravagant in his giving. If you think about it, those of you who read the Bible, those of you who know the narrative, the story of the Bible, and you think about story after story after story after story, it is all about the gracious kindness of our God, the unmerited favor of our God. None of us deserve anything. None of us deserve anything, and yet God, so gracious, he's an extravagant giver. He gives way more than any of us ever deserve. Remember Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, he said, God is a good God. He says he sends his reign upon the good and the evil. There are people in this world who are absolutely doing wicked things, hurting other people, and yet God still continues to sustain their life, send rain, make sure they have food. Why? Because he's just good. Not because we deserve it, because he's just good. And you know what he's wanting, right? You're, he's wanting no one to perish. He gives people life so that they'll turn to him. He doesn't want anyone to perish, not in this life nor in eternity. It's who he is. For God so loved the world that he gave. He's a giver. He's a giver. The whole story starts like this. If you're brave, you'll turn with me to Genesis 1 and you'll try to follow along with me in the narrative of Genesis. But just, if not, we'll help you out. Look at this in Genesis 1. The whole story starts this way. God creates Adam and Eve. Male and female. He makes people in his image. The first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve. And what's the very first thing that he does? The very first thing for Adam and Eve. It says in chapter 1, verse 28, Then God blessed them. Then God blessed them. What's the first thing he does? Boss them around? No. Bless them. Why did God even create us in the first place? Is he bored? Is he like a cat and a mouse? Who wants to play cat and mouse? Mess with us? Ruin our lives? Test us? Put, up, up, put us up on stage? Is he some sadistic creator? Or is he like a clockmaker who just wound it up and left? Is that what the Bible teaches about God? No! There are so many philosophies out there. That there's dualism, there's good and there's evil and they're battling. There's, there's deism, that God just started this whole thing and left us just to our own devices. There's philosophies that have invaded the church, that God is this sovereign God. He's just bored and he wants to test us and, and he's sovereign and, and just whatever he wants is his will. And so he's just kind of like, some he just throws some bad stuff at him and some he blesses and he has favoritism. You know, he's, he likes this, I like you, I don't like you, like you, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. And there's these kinds of philosophies that a lot of times have been constructed in our own minds and shaped the way we believe God and shaped whether or not we're going to trust Him and obey Him. But that's not what the Scriptures teach. Amen? Look at what the Word says. The very first thing He does as He creates 
everything, land, oceans, sky, moon, sun, makes everything perfect, calls it good. Man, this is perfect. And then makes Adam and Eve so that we could live here on this planet. Gives us stewardship over this planet. Why? Because this is our home. He created us to do what? To kill us? No, to bless us. Did he create us so we could struggle and be poor? No, he created us to be blessed. He created us because he wants a relationship with us. He created us because he loves us. And he did not create us for something less than blessing. And so he says to the first first man, first woman, Adam and Eve, he blesses them and he says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. The very first thing he does is he gives Adam and Eve his presence. Remember in, in the garden, he would walk with them in the garden of Eden. You know, Eden is called pleasure, delight. He made everything, all the food that they need and all the trees that are pleasant to look at and pleasant for food, it says in Genesis 2, he made the garden for them. This is who God is. Did he have to make, did he have to make beautiful stars? Did he have to make a blue sky? Did he have to make color? Did he have to make beautiful smells? Did he have to do anything? No. He didn't even have to create you or give you breath. He didn't have to do any of it, but why did he do it? Because he wanted to. God is a God who is good and wants to bless. He wants his people to be fruitful. Fruitful, not just have lots of kids. He means abounding, fruitful in every aspect of life. And I'll show you that. Look at this in Genesis 12. Look at how God treats his friends. Genesis 12. Look, at what he, look how he treats his friends. He sends his rain upon the good and the evil. He's a good God. He's gracious. He's kind. He's merciful. He's compassionate. But listen, those who, who are his friends, those who walk with God, like Enoch, like Abraham, like Moses, like Jesus, like you, Those who fear the Lord and walk in His ways and have a relationship, a friendship with God, oh my goodness, I don't think we realize how much He wants to bless. Way more than any of you or I could handle or understand or fathom. Get ready to be messed with. Genesis chapter 12, listen to what God says to Abram. Abram, later his name was changed to Abraham, but this was his name when God first called him. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. In you and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now listen, This is God calling Abram to himself. God is always the initiator. He's the one who created. He's the one who calls. He is choosing Abraham among all the people of the world. That through Abraham, God would work redemption on the earth. And it always begins with an invitation to trust God. You notice what he says to Abraham. Abram at the time. Leave everything. Leave everything. Abraham would have to leave the security of his country and his father's house. He'd have to leave all of his inheritance from his dad behind. He'd have to leave all the security of that provision and that safety net and leave everything for God. That is always how the invitation begins. 
give everything. And what's amazing about Abraham is he did it. He so believed God with no evidence in the natural. All he had was his word. And God said, if you will do this, if you will follow me, I will bless you. I will bless you. Huh. I wonder what Abraham thought that blessing was. Did Abraham think, like many Christians think, well, you know, God doesn't really think of blessing like we think of blessing. He must mean like spiritual. You know, because God, God is, God is the blessing. God is the blessing. Is that what Abraham thought? Now, surely, let me tell you, the number one blessing Abraham received was friendship with God, the presence of God, ultimately, eternal life. That is the ultimate blessing. And without that, none of the other stuff matters. But listen, is that really what Abraham thought? Did Abraham think, oh, if I leave everything, God will bless me with his friendship. Is that what Abraham thought? No, that is not what Abraham thought. Abraham thought, whew, I'll get friendship with God. I'll get a lot of other stuff too. Listen, when God says to Abraham, I will bless you and I will make your name great. Do you know what that is? Famous, famous. Abraham, I promise you, you will be famous. That is what he's promising him. That's so carnal. That's so carnal. You shouldn't want that. That's bad. Abraham, out of the very mouth of God, I will make you famous. I will make your name great. Everyone will know who you are. And I will bless you. I will bless you. Why? Because this is how God treats his friends. Because if a man or a woman will leave everything to follow God and allow God to bring redemption through that person. Did you hear what God said to Abraham? Listen, I will bless you. I will bless you. But because I want you to be a blessing. Abraham, I'm calling you because in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All of them. Not just your family. Not just your family. All the families. All the nation groups. All the people groups of this world. Through you, I'm going to make sure they get blessed. Now, how did that happen? Because through this man and through his obedience came the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the descendant of Abraham. And through Jesus and the gospel, people all over this world are being saved, right, from their sin because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they're coming to Jesus and their lives and their families are being transformed. In Abraham, all the families of the earth are being blessed. Is his name great? Three separate religious groups call him the father of their faith. His name is known throughout all the earth, almost, with with almost everyone. Has God kept his promise to him? Yes. God rewards those who diligently seek him. God himself, later in the Bible, James chapter chapter 3 in a number of places, says, Abraham is my friend. That's blessing. But listen, God promised blessing. God promised to bless Abraham if he would follow him. And Abraham did it. He obeyed him, he believed him, and he followed him. And the Lord blessed him, and the Lord made him a great, made him his name great. And through Abraham, he's brought blessing. God is looking for people who would leave everything, seek first the kingdom, diligently seek the Lord, love God with all their heart. And he says, if you will do that, I will reward. I will bless. Why? Because this is who he is. Look at Genesis 13. 
Is blessing only uh, spiritual? Look at this. Genesis 13, verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abraham, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the... Uh, we'll keep going on there. Just wanted you to know. It doesn't say, and Abram was very rich, and then period. And then we can all say, well, God must mean spiritual. Spiritually, he was, he was rich spiritually. He had a rich, rich spirituality, rich in God. No, actually, do you notice that the Bible makes it clear that it's tangible, material, yes? Rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. All right, let's keep going. In Genesis 15, at the very beginning, God comes to Abram. And says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. Your exceedingly great reward. Amen. Amen. God, you're my everything. You're my reward. Yes, he is. Again, God himself is the blessing, right? God himself is the source. Everything comes from him. Without him, we have nothing. God says, Abram, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to try to get stuff. I'm your reward. Listen to what Abram says. Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Now let me give you a little bit of backstory here. God had called Abraham and said, if you'll follow me, I'll show you a land that I'm going to give you and your descendants. Okay, so now watch this. Abraham goes on this long journey. He shows up in the land of Canaan, which is modern-day Israel right now. And God says to Abram, see this land right here that you're standing on, this whole thing? That's your land. I'm going to give it to you and your descendants. Okay, now, if you're about like mm, 75, and your wife is about that age, and you're both past the age of childbearing, and you've been barren up to this point, and God says, yeah, I'm going to give you this land to you, and your descendants, I think you might be a little sensitive to that. Ow, ow, I have no kids, right? But he believed him anyways, and he walked with him. And he would establish these altars, and he'd worship the Lord, and he'd love God. Well, one day God comes to him, and this has been years later, years, not days, not months, years later, years, and God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm your reward. I'm your reward. And he goes, yeah, but what are you going to give me? I don't have any kids. See, in those days, when you died, Abraham believed he died, go be with the Lord, yeah, but his name would be passed on through his own son. And whoever would be his descendants would get his inheritance. And listen, unless he had descendants, his descendants wouldn't get the land. So God would end up being a liar, right? So Abraham is simply talking to God about his word. Abraham's not being selfish. I mean, the next word out of God's mouth is not, stop being selfish, boy. Listen to me. I said, I'm your reward. You don't need anything. Just me. That's all you need is me. Just me. Stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about it. It's not what he says. Abram says, what are you going to give me? You said I'd inherit this land and my descendants. I have no kid. What are you going to do? 
Abram is asking God, and listen, he's not asking in unbelief. He's like challenging, he's like, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? This is the story where God takes Abram outside, shows him the stars of the sky, and says, listen to me, your descendants will be like the stars of the sky. And what did Abraham do? He believed him. God had Abraham look up at the stars, and Abraham said, okay, as if now the argument is over. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've put it to rest because God said it. I'm telling you, Abraham was different because he believed what God said. It wasn't until 25 years later that he had a son named Isaac. It wasn't until 430 years later And God told him it would take that long that his own descendants inherited the promised land, the land that God had promised them. It took time. There were famines. There was delay. There was opposition. He had to walk by faith. But Abram chose to seek God diligently, believing that God would do what he said. He believed that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and it shaped the way he lived. Abraham even messed up, didn't he? Tried to do things in his flesh at times, lived in fear at times. But he still trusted the Lord. Look at this in Genesis 22. Genesis 22. God, it says, tests Isaac. I'm sorry, test Abram. After Abram has a son named Isaac, God tests him. Now, you've got to put this in context, right? You've waited 25 years to have a son. The son has come miraculously through your wife, Sarah, who was barren and obviously past the age of childbirth. You guys are about 100 years old. This is pretty crazy, yes? So you have this son named Isaac. He is the son that God has promised you. He literally, if you read the story, God said to God, uh, Abraham, This son, Isaac, is the one through whom your descendants will come. Like, very literally said that. So there's no confusion going on here, right? Then God says to Abraham, now here's what I want you to do with your son, Isaac, your only son whom you love. That's what he says to him. I want you to take your only son whom you love, and I want you to take him up on a mountain that I'm going to show you, and I want you to sacrifice him. Now listen, God was testing him. Because what's going to happen The Bible says that in Abraham's mind, Abraham's thinking, wait a minute, God said Isaac would be the son of promise. God said it would be through through Isaac. Now God wants me to sacrifice him. And he reasoned in his mind, the Bible says, I guess God will just raise him from the dead. He knew that God couldn't break his promise. But do you see how committed he is to God that he would be willing to do anything that God asked him to do? Now, the Bible makes it clear, no no human sacrifice. But Abraham didn't know that. So here he is in a position of complete abandonment to the will of God. And so he takes his son Isaac up on that mountain and he ties him up on the wood, raises a knife, and then God says, stop! Now I know that you fear me. Now listen to what God says. Listen to what God says. 
<clears throat> says this. Verse 15 and 16. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself, God is speaking through this, this messenger, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Because you have obeyed my voice. Now listen, God called Abraham. But it was Abraham's obedience that moved God in this story. Abraham's obedience was evidence of his faith. And God was reconfirming his covenant saying, I will bless you because you have obeyed me. But listen, God responds to those who respond to him. He always initiates. But he is looking for those who would respond to him and seek him diligently. Who would obey him. Who would love him more than anything else. See, when you love the blessing more than God, it's no longer a blessing. He's looking for people who would say, God, I love you more than anything else. And when you're like that, God's like, I'm going to bless you. He responded to Abraham's response, his obedience. And he was moved by Abraham's obedience and said, because you have done this. Can you imagine? God is moved. God is grieved by sin and he is moved by our obedience. When people obey God, when you trust him even though you cannot see, it moves him. And he says this kind of thing like he said to Abraham, because you have done this for me, because you have obeyed me, I will bless you. I'm telling you, this sealed what God wanted to do in Abraham's life. Look at how, at the end of Abraham's life, what it says about him in chapter 24. Verse, 20, verse 1, chapter 24, verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. In all things. In all things. Yeah? Well, you know, that's probably spiritual, right? Oh, it's definitely spiritual. But it's a lot more than that. First of all, he's well advanced in, in, in age, isn't he? He's living a long life, healthy. And it's a lot different. It's not, it's not just living a long life, but a life of fulfillment, of serving God, of living with purpose, a life of health and wholeness and strength physically, a life of spiritual blessing, a life of relational blessing. But listen, it says God blessed him in all things. And if you keep reading, just a few verses later, it tells you exactly what those all things are. Let me get the verse to you there. It says right here in verse 34. So he, referring to Abraham's servant, I am Abraham's servant. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, that would be like employees, and camels and donkeys. Cars? No, I'm joking around. Okay. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. Listen, you cannot read the Bible honestly 
and not define blessing to include material blessings. I didn't say it's the only thing. But when people say, oh God, God, God has a different definition of blessing than we do. Well, if he does, he sure promises our, bless, our definition. No, of course he has a different, de- he doesn't necessarily have a different definition. Let me tell you what he does have. He has a different way. The Bible in no way encourages the deceitfulness of wealth where you think that money will be your provider and solve your problems. The Bible never encourages, Jesus says, you can serve God or money, right? Never encourages the love of money. The love of money is a trap and a snare and will destroy your relation with God, people, and other things, right? No way is God encouraging the love of money. In no way is God trying to encourage, or am I, by the way, encouraging the deceitfulness of wealth or covetedness or greed, No, 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 no. But God does promise, if you will look to me alone, and you will seek me alone, because I'm a jealous God, says the Lord, then I will do what I said for you, because I'm a faithful God, says the Lord. God keeps his promises. But listen, because he rewards those who diligently seek him, God blesses those who walk in his ways. He does not bless sin. He does not bless wickedness. He does not bless entitlement mentalities, selfishness. He does not bless covetedness. He does not bless complaining, grumbling, ungratefulness. No, no, he doesn't bless those things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying he blesses his friends. And when he blesses, oh, it's spiritual, it's relational, it's material, it's in every aspect of our life. Why? Because God wants to. Listen to this. Psalm 1, just listen. Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Well, but you know, you've got to do the word study and really make sure you find out what the pro- word prosper means because you know what? It, we, don't know what it, we don't know what the word prosper means. It, it, it means prosper. It means to be successful. So when it says, and whatever he does shall prosper, let me, it's really simple. That's what it means. Does that make sense? Whatever he or she does because they meditate on the law of the Lord and they delight in his word. That doesn't mean you just like reading the Bible. Oh, but I don't like reading the Bible. No, it means you love God's word and you do it. You do it. You feed yourself on the word and you walk in his ways and it says whatever you put your hand to, whatever you do, God will cause it to prosper. Why? Because you're looking to him and not to other things. Listen to what the word of the Lord, what the Bible says about blessing. The blessing of the Lord, Proverbs 10.22. Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. That's what the Bible says. I didn't make that up. I didn't make that up. 
Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. That's holistic blessing. That's blessing because God does not want to bless, do something for you. He wants to do something through you. The blessing of God He wants to bless you with is the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That's the blessing of God. That's the blessing of God when you walk in His ways and you do it His way and He shapes His character in you and you have peace on the inside of you and you have joy and that begins to shape your relationships instead of turmoil and craziness because you are like a drama person and selfish and thinking about your own ways. No, you're, you're doing what the Bible says. Forgive. Love. And when you walk in those ways, God brings joy and peace and wholeness to your relationships and to your emotions. And through that, he brings wholeness to your life. Like you walk in self-control and he teaches you to manage your money and he blesses the work of your hand. And you steward your job well because you work diligently and you, you honor your boss and things like that and God promotes you and gives you favor because you're looking to him. I didn't say that God blesses selfishness. I didn't say God's a genie and you just rub the lamp and tell him what, you, what he needs to do for you. I didn't, tell you, I didn't say that God's a slot machine. And you don't really know what he's going to do. You don't really know. Maybe he'll do it, maybe you, maybe you won't. Like prayer is just like a crapshoot. You don't really know if God's going to come through or not because God's a sovereign God and he just does whatever he wants. Well, let me tell you, he's not just sovereign, but he's faithful and he keeps his promises. And so when he says, if you'll meditate my word day and night, if you'll delight yourself in my law, you whatever you put your hand to will prosper, he's not lying. God is rewarded the warder of those who diligently seek him. That's what the word says. That's who he is. And so when the Bible says he blesses and his blessing adds no sorrow. He's talking about that kind of holistic blessing that flourishes from the inside of our hearts, into our relationships, into our material world. He didn't just create your spirit. He created your body and everything, and he wants to bless you in every way. How about this one? <clears throat> Psalm 112. Bless the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Psalm 112. I didn't write that. David did. Because he was trying to convince God's people then that God wanted to do it. And I'm trying to convince God's people now that God wants to do it. Because if you're not convinced, you won't diligently seek him. We need the word, don't we? We need to hear what the word has to say. If I come home and my daughter runs up to me and falls at my feet, Crying. I'm like, I can't, I can't understand you. I can't understand you. Stand up. Stand up. You know, what, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to tell me? I, I, cleaned, the, I cleaned the bathroom, and I, I mowed the lawn, and I washed the cars. Everything's clean. Can I please eat dinner? 
I just want, I just want some cucumbers. Please, I just want, just please help me. I did all this. Please, please. I don't know about you parents. We have a problem, don't we? Right? If your kid came up to you like that, what would you do? Well, good. Good. I would hope so. Maybe tomorrow you can eat. Not my timing today. Don't we have a problem if a child approaches a parent like that? Didn't Jesus tell parables like that? Hey, hey, your father, you guys are evil parents, but you know how to give good gifts. How much more your father in heaven? If your, pa- if your kid asks you for a bread, you're going to give him a rock? He asks for a fish, you're going to give him a scorpion? <laughs> he wants a fish. Watch this. I'm going to give him a scorpion. Is, God, is that what God is like? Is that what God is like? Most parents aren't like that. Every once in a while, there's an evil, really, really wicked one that's like that. Okay, now, let's say I come home. I walk in the door. And my daughter says, it's about time. Man, I am starving. Hey, I want, I want, I want salad. And I want some, I want some mac and cheese. And I want it now. I don't know about you parents, but we have a different problem. Yeah? And that girl going to go in timeout. If my kid comes to me not believing that I'm good, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to build up their faith, right? I would hope my kids never get to that point, obviously. There is a huge difference huge difference between believing God's goodness and believing He wants to bless us, take care of us, provide for us, and looking to Him as a child looks to a parent. And He's way better than we are. There's a huge difference between that and selfishness. In no way does God's desire to bless us Warrant selfishness or greed or complaining or ungratefulness. No. No, rather the response to God's goodness is thankfulness and obedience. But so many times, there are people in the church who want to tell us that God doesn't want to bless us in those things. But that's not biblical. And a lot of times, people who speak against those promises of blessing, it's because they're afraid of us becoming selfish. But listen, my selfishness does not nullify the graciousness of God. You hear me? Just because if my daughter was being selfish and bossy, which by the way, I'm being silly, she's not like that at all. Even if she was like that, does that nullify my graciousness? No. 
God is a good God, and He wants to bless His people. He wants to bless those who walk in His ways. So I suggest we find out what His ways are. Like I said, it's only those who diligently seek Him, which means when we want those things more than Him, we won't bless. But for the people who put God first and His kingdom first, and who seek God with everything they are, he treats his friends well. Doesn't mean there won't be opposition, delay, temptation, trials. But listen, I didn't have time to talk about Isaac and how he was blessed in a famine, or Joseph. Oh, he went through a hard one, didn't he? But he rose to the top. Or Jacob, who was cheated ten times, but he ended up on top. That's what happens when you walk with God. So listen, if you're in a tough spot right now, don't ever judge yourself or measure yourself because of whether you're physically or tangibly blessed. Don't start coveting or comparing yourself. Do you seek God with all of your heart? Do you say, God, no matter what happens, I love you, you're everything, and good. Be confident that God will do what he said. But do you, do you seek God with all of your heart? Do you seek Him? Is He your everything? Because if He's not, all you have to do is change right now. Stop putting your trust in those other things. Start seeking God with everything within you. And we're going to learn to do that. We're going to learn to do that. Let's, let's do that. Let's trust the Lord around. Go ahead and stand. Now let's respond to the Lord. Let's open our hearts to God right now. I'm going to invite you to to, to repeat after me a prayer inviting God to work in our hearts. I'm going to invite you to put your hand on your heart right now. Invite the Lord. I'm going to put your hand on your heart and just say, Thank you, Father that you love me and you want to bless me. It's your desire. It's your will. Thank you that you want to bless me in all things. And so I open my heart to you. Teach me to walk in your ways. Teach me the fear of God. Teach me to seek you first. And to love you with all my heart. And I thank you. You will do what you said. Amen.